Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, this is Taylor Vipolis, and we've got a packed episode coming your way today. We've got former All-ACC linebacker for the Tar Heels, Jeff Schottmer, who is currently coaching at UNC in a graduate assistant role. And then we've got, for the last time this year, Deems May breaking down the NC State game and looking ahead to North Carolina's future. Hope you enjoy. Joining me now, we've got a former All-ACC linebacker and current graduate assistant coach for North Carolina, a Tar Heel legend, Jeff Schottmer. Schott, you joined the Carolina football staff last year and you went through that 2-9 and nine season. So how much fun is it for you now as a coach to see these players starting to find success and get to a bowl game? Man, I appreciate you having me, Vip. Uh, always good to talk to you. Um, but, yeah, just getting back to your question, it's it's so great to see just the players, uh, their reaction in the locker room post game. You know, I've, I've seen it firsthand, you know, the struggles they've been through over the past year. And just to see them keep keep their head down and keep working – and realize that they can turn this thing around. Um, they don't need, you know, we, we have a new coaching staff change, but it's, it's been the players that have gotten the job done. Um, they're the ones that go out and play every Saturday, and they deserve all the credit. Um, you know, they haven't lost confidence in each other. They, they've pulled them together as a family. And I've just really seen that connection with the guys off the field that has, you know, led to their success on the field. And just seeing them celebrate in the locker room, um, and and Raleigh, you know, defeating our rival by 30, you know, putting a good whooping on them in, in Raleigh at their home place. Uh, you know, there's just no better feeling than, than seeing those guys happy. And, uh, you know, we got one more. You know, we got the bowl game, and the guys realize how big of a, you know, step th- this is. You know, get seven wins, get a winning record back on, on the map, and then, you know, propel the guys in the next year. So, you know, we aren't satisfied with just winning six. We want to go ahead and get that seventh win, and um, I think we're going to be ready for it. How would you describe going to a bowl game to some of the players on the team who've never gone before? Because they were always my favorite memories because of the gifts and being in a new city with all your brothers. But at the end of the day, your goal is still going down there to win a game. Right. Yeah, I just tell them, first of all, it's another opportunity for you to play the game. Um, you know, for the guys that want to play in the NFL, this is another showcase for you to, you know, showcase your talent. And then just the off-the-field stuff that happens the whole week of the bowl game is, is great. You know, wherever, whatever city you're in, you always have a good time. You know, we went to some cities that look less appealing when, during my bowl time, but um, we always made the most of it because you're with your guys all day. You're staying in the hotel. It almost feels like, you know, those trips you have growing up where you're playing AAU basketball or whatnot. You just in the hotel with your guys all day and you're doing fun activities through the bowl and then you get to play football on top of it so it's just it's just a great experience overall we made detroit fun so, so any, any place absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> i made uh shreveport louisiana fun my freshman year and <laughs> detroit and um but we, we we capped it off with orlando which was which was a great time but um yeah like you said the main importance of the bowl is is obviously to win. Um, you know, th- that that would be a huge momentum boost for us. We've already, you know, had a great recruiting class, and it'll, it'll just solidify everything we've been preaching over the last year. And, um, you know, the, another big thing is those extra practices we get. You know, Coach Brown had a talk with us the other day about how important that is for the young guys. You know, we got a lot of talented kids coming in this spring. So um, there'll be competition being built you know, whether it's in December or uh, spring ball. So these are valuable reps for the young guys to get. And they, I think they've understood that. You're only a couple of years removed from being in that same locker room and 
although it didn't look as nice back when you were playing, but what's been the biggest transition for you as you've gone from a player to a coach? Uh, I th- I'd say the biggest thing for me is just how I've, how I've um, realized the importance of the off the field stuff with the players. Uh, you know, when I was, when I was a player, I always didn't have some of my years. I always didn't have a great connection with some of my coaches, but you know, some more than others. And I think that off the field camaraderie you build um, between player and coach, because you're around each other basically the whole year, every day throughout the whole year. And you can really learn invaluable things from them. And now I'm in the position to, to really help out the, the next generation of guys. So my biggest thing that I've tried to do over the last two years I think I've done a better job of it this year than last year is just connecting with the guys and really trying to teach them everything I've learned, you know, throughout my playing days. Cause I went through a lot as a player. Um, and I kind of have an interesting story because I've, I've been on all levels. You know, I've been, I've been the walk on, I've been the non-starter. I've been the starter. I've been the team captain. So I can really relate to so many guys on the team in that sense, because I've been, you know, at each level of the team. So, um, I've just tried to pass on my knowledge and things that I've learned um, through my playing days and try to, you know, help, especially the linebackers, Chaz, Gimmel, uh, D. Ross, all those guys, and try to teach them things that I messed up and I don't want them to to make the same mistakes or things that I succeeded at and try to help them, um, you know, do better. So I think that's the the coolest thing for me is just been able to connect with the guys and, you know, have to see them grow especially our linebackers, you know, in spring, we weren't getting high praise at all, but, you know, that didn't bother our guys. We just kept working and uh, it's been fun to see their, their success throughout the year. One of the guys you just mentioned, Chaz Surratt, he's got to be one of the best stories, if not the best story in college football this year, capped off with being named first team all ACC. As a former linebacker yourself, when you first heard he was moving to that position from quarterback, what were you thinking, and how remarkable has his season truly been? Yeah, first of all, he said, I think it's the best story in college football. I don't think there are very there are very few humans on this earth that can do what he just did in the past year. Um, it's It's truly incredible, and I've seen it firsthand. And the thing I'll say it is it hasn't been just smooth sailing the whole time. It hasn't been just this rise. You know, there's been ups and downs throughout his last year, starting with, you know, he had surgery on his wrist. And then he moves to backer. There's a whole new coaching staff. Like, he's gone through some things. And it hasn't been him just completely dominating the whole time. I remember during spring he went through a couple practices where he didn't look very good and he was down on himself. And the coaches were down on him a little bit. But – He's, he's really just pushed through that and hasn't let anything affected him. But um, so he came to me, this was around November of last year. And it was like, shot, I think I'm going to change the defense. And I was, you know, I played some safety in high school, but I really think my, my body will be able to handle linebacker. So, you know, me and Chaz started working early in, you know, early January, February before spring ball started and so I got to see him firsthand, you know, go through some linebacker drills. He still had a cast on his wrist because he had surgery. But you could just see the athleticism out of him. His hips and his, his movement skills were off the charts. And the biggest thing with him is, is his brain. He's so smart. He understands football to the highest level, you know, coming from quarterback. So when he came into the linebacker room in our meetings, we had a great perspective because we would ask him, what is the quarterback saying here? Because linebacker is technically the quarterback of the defense, so you, he had both viewpoints, and that's pretty underrated for uh, for his position. So he's uh, he's been a joy to coach. You know, he works hard every day. You know, I think uh, the sky's the limit for that kid. He's he's going to be really successful. And props to his parents. You know, him and his brother both got named first team All ACC today. I mean, that's this his story just keeps growing and I think next year I truly believe he has the talent to be an all American and he's starting to believe that. So it's it's gonna be exciting for him, you know, in the future. While Surratt has gotten a lot of praise this year, also in that linebacker unit, in my opinion, Jeremiah Gemmel has been one of the most underrated players for this entire Carolina team. 
What have you seen from his development this season? Yeah, so so I came I I started working here his his spring ball of 2018 and I could see, you know, he's he's another guy that's extremely smart. He he saw pullers and had instincts, you know, about as good as any linebacker I've ever seen. He was a little slight and you know, it was not as consistent. And, you know, coming into the 2018 season last year, I thought he was going to be, you know, a factor for us, come off the bench and make some plays. And he ended up getting hurt, so that kind of stunned his development. But this spring, he picked back, you know, he picked back up right where he left off. Um, and then this summer, he's, he's he did a great job, him and Chaz and D. Ross. They would, you know, come in and watch film with me almost every day. And they were, you know, they were hungry to learn the defense because, you know, Bateman's scheme was pretty complex. Um, but Gimmel, Gimmel runs the show on the defense. And if, if you know football, you have to have a, a middle linebacker that can get the defense set up. I think that's probably the most important thing a, a middle linebacker can do is make all the checks and get the whole defense lined up because without that, you, you can't do anything. So he's really the, the guy in the middle that, you know, makes our checks and, and gets people lined up. Um, and he's so fast. I mean, he reads things so fast. He can really run. He can cover. Um, I'm going to say him and Chaz, I, 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 it would be hard to find a better linebacker combo for next year. Their combination of speed and their ability to process information, I think those are probably the two biggest things or most important things for linebackers in college football nowadays is the ability to process and the ability to run and play in space, and both of them are top-notch at that. So. Um, I'm putting my vote in for both of them all ACC next year and all American types. So it's going to be a fun year for them. I'd say year one under Mac Brown, especially coming off this NC state blowout win has been a huge success, but what is it like to work for him on a day-to-day basis? He just feels like to me, he's got that aura to him where you want to be a part of what he's building. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm I have to like pinch myself every day that I get to work with him because my story is a little different. I grew up in Dallas and I was the biggest Texas Longhorns fan growing up. And when I was growing up, it was Coach Brown was the head coach, you know, Vince Young, Colt McCoy, all those great NFL players that I watched and he was the head coach. I mean, I when he got hired here, I just wanted to sit down and talk to him about all the Texas players and all the Texas games I watched. I remember right where I was when he won the national championship. Um, so it was just like a dream come true for all I ever wanted to do growing up was play for coach Brown at Texas. And obviously I didn't get that opportunity, but you know, it's crazy how it comes full circle and now I'm on his staff. So it's a pretty cool opportunity for me. And, you know, I've learned so much from him, just how he handles himself on a day-to-day basis, how he treats people that can't do anything for him. And, you know, he's, he's the same guy every day, positive, will do anything for the players. Um, but ultimately all he wants to do is win. So, and that's the thing I've learned everything that he does from recruiting to hiring coaching staff to changing, you know, facilities, everything he's doing is to win. And he keeps that the main thing, but he does it the right way. So, you know, I, I can't tell you how much I've learned from him, and it's been it's been unbelievable. Looking back to a young shot coming out of Texas, what made you come to North Carolina, especially considering your dad played linebacker at Duke? Yeah, so, um, you know, I have North Carolina ties, and um, I wanted to go to a great academic school. So my final three choices were Duke, Wake, and UNC. Um, but I grew up, you know, a, I guess a Duke basketball fan because my dad went there, but I was never really a Duke football fan because there wasn't much to cheer for. Um, so, I, like I said, I grew up a Texas football fan, but when I had the opportunity to come here as a preferred walk-on out of state, you know, like to get into UNC, and but I was just confident in my ability that I would play wherever I went. You know, I had smaller D1 offers and FCS level, but I was I knew I was a big-time college player. Um and it was really – it was Butch Davis' staff that got me here. Kenny Browning had a connection with my great uncle. Um, and that's how I got my tape. And this was after signing day. This was like April of my senior year. And they called me the next day and said they got a preferred walk-on. So I came and visited like two weeks later, walked around the campus, 
on a beautiful spring day and I fell in love. I was like, this is where I want to go. And it worked out for me. So couldn't be happier to be a North Carolina Tar Heel. As a walk-on, did you feel like you always had something to prove? Because I feel like some scholarship guys, they could get to campus and kind of get complacent, but that's not really something a walk-on can do if they want to play. Yeah, definitely. I mean, every day I was trying to prove something, um, whether it was in an off-season 300-yard shuttle or uh, in-season weightlifting day or a practice or a film session. You know, I always had to be on my P's and Q's because, you know, I technically I, I was a step behind people because they were pay, they were getting their school paid for and I, I really had nothing to lose. Um, so just every day, just working with those guys. The biggest thing with me is my teammates gave me confidence. Um, you know, I had so many great teammates over the years and so many hardworking guys that, you know, just gave me confidence in the way they talked to me and the way they saw me as a player and just my development over the years. Um, I think Mac Holland said it best because <laughs> um, he, he has a similar story. Obviously, he's progressed more in the NFL, Super Bowl champ. Shout out to Mac. Um, but he, he was saying every year that scholarships should be renewed and you'd have to earn it if you're a walk-on or scholarship guy. You know, there should just be a pool of scholarships and the top 85 guys on the team should earn it. And, you know, I almost – I like what he was saying because there's some guys that do get complacent. And there's these walk-ons that come in with this attitude and mindset that, you know, they can get the job done. So, yeah, it was it was a tough road at times, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. And uh, I worked hard and earned everything I got. The other side of that is being a walk-on, it can be overwhelming at times with everyone around you being so talented – do you remember your first time thinking I can play with these guys or even be better? Yeah, I would say um, one of the first times was we were doing like sprints my true freshman summer. We were doing like 300-yard shuttles, and I was winning a couple of them. And, uh, and then we get out to fall camp, and, you know, they throw me in there with, I think, like the threes or whatever, and I'm – I, I hold my own and then, you know, just, just build confidence along the way. It's a day-by-day process. I wouldn't say there's, like, one exact moment. Um, I guess maybe the one moment would be um, my freshman year. I'm playing special teams and, you know, I'm playing a little bit on defense, but still as a, as a freshman walk-on, first-time linebacker. And I, they throw me in a Virginia. Uh, we play Virginia on a Thursday night, and I make a tackle for loss because – our starting linebacker's helmet comes off, so I got to go in there for a play. And at that moment, I was like, "Dang, I can I can play with these guys." And um, the senior is going to leave next year, and you know I want to take his job as a starting guy. So it was just really a day by day process of you know confidence being instilled, and uh, you know it was, it was a fun time. What was the moment like for you when you finally did get put on scholarship and you saw your hard work being recognized? I mean, it was a great feeling. Um, it, the thing for me was I always knew that day was coming. Um, I wasn't one that was like, I'm going to work hard and hope you'll get a scholarship. I, I went in with the mindset that I was a scholarship player. That they just haven't given me it yet. And uh, every day I just had that, that mentality that I was just as good as everybody else. Um, but to finally, you know, to be able to call my parents and, and tell them I was on scholarship was, was a cool feeling. But, you know, I, I'd wanted to do more than just earn a scholarship. You know, I wanted to, you know, make plays and, and, and ultimately get to the next level. So I wasn't just satisfied with getting a scholarship. I really wanted to make an impact on the team and this university. So You had four career interceptions, Liberty, Notre Dame, Delaware, and Miami. How would you rank them? And let's start from number four. So going to your most proud being number one. Gotcha. Um, number first four. of all, I should have had about like six or seven. I can't some bad hands. I need to work, work on those, but <laughs> um, I'd say number four, four was probably doing away. Um, they tried to run a trick play and I actually called out the play and made an interception on it. I was proud of that one. Uh, three, I would say Liberty even though it was a pick six, um, 
I don't know. I just, first career I, touchdown, I wasn't it? Yeah, it was my first career touchdown. Um, number two, I'd have to say, I think I, I would put Miami number two. Um, I, I almost want to put that one just because it was my senior day. We beat Miami by 45. Like, it was just a, a total beatdown. Um, it was a long return, too. I think you were running yeah, for about Yeah, it was a long return. Seconds. And it set up Marquise. He scored the next play. And, you know, I, I told him that I, the reason I didn't score is I was trying to pad his stats and get him ACC player of the year, get him one more touchdown run. But he didn't believe me there. <laughs> I, was, I went back and I watched the highlights, and it looks like once you get to about the 15-yard line, you're looking around like, please, yeah. somebody tackle yeah. me. I was out of gas. <laughs> and then number one, I'd have to say Notre Dame. Um, just the um, the moment um, we're playing, I think they were number three in the country. We went on the road. We weren't having a great season. And uh, just the historic venue at, at Notre Dame. You know, I went to a game there as a kid. Um, I forgot who I watched, but, you know, just seeing that stadium growing up is pretty iconic. And then, funny story my mom told me so she heard my little brother at the game and my mom just had this feeling she turned to my little brother like the play before I had to pick six and was like she's like Jeff's gonna intercept the ball and returns return for a touchdown and she swears by it and then the next play I had a pick six so I told my mom I was like you should have done that more often but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a fun time even though we lost the game we and we kept it close we ultimately I think we should have won it but you know that's just the heartbreak of college football sometimes, but yeah, that was pretty memorable for me. What is it like for you to have bragging rights over Shaquille Rashad, who only has three career interceptions and only five return yards from those interceptions while you have two touchdowns from yours? <laughs> Shaq's my guy. I mean, we, we've been really close friends and he, we we give each other hell on a lot of things, and, and that's one of them. He has no return skills, no touchdowns. You know, his most famous play to date is probably hitting Connor Vernon and getting suspended. So, <laughs> but no, Shaq, we, we we joke with each other all the time. He's he's a great dude. Coming off the 2013 and the 2014 season, not much really changed for the 2015 team. But when did you realize that that team had the chance to be really special? I think uh, probably during summer workouts, because um, after spring ball, we, we had a lot of guys injured during spring. I know, you know, Chizik came in that spring and John Papuchas and War, uh, Charlton Warren. So we had some, some great defensive coaches, but we still had a lot of guys injured. So we didn't really know what we could have been. Um, I think it was a great time for Mitch because Marquise was out all spring. So Mitch really got, he got the whole spring as a starting quarterback. And I think I saw a lot of development in him that ultimately helped him get to where he was. So, um, but I'd say summer workouts, just how we came together as a team. Mac Hollins was, you know, the, the workout warrior. I think he pushed, pushed the guys in the summer more than I've ever seen. And I want to give him credit for that because guys were really busting their ass and doing extra workouts because they saw how hard Mac worked and, you know, how selfless, selfless he was. So I think we just really came together. And then, you know, we had a buzz about ourselves going into fall camp because you look around, you see a bunch of studs. You know, our offense was loaded. We had some great players on defense. I mean, if you look at that team, at just about every position, guys had shots to go to the NFL, whether they were drafted first round or undrafted. Um, so we did have a lot of talent. Um, but just our chemistry we built was, was pretty special. You know, we did things in that off season, you know, with, with the program and, and other, other things to you know, really build our chemistry. But, um, you know, we played intramural softball in the summer, you know, just a little stuff like that really helped build our chemistry together. So that was, that was probably the most fun year of my life. We'll say. I've always said with players from that team that we could do a separate podcast, just talking about the program days. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's there's some stories from the from that you know two day stretch that probably shouldn't get out to the public, but that really helped our team you know grow. How would you describe the leadership our team got from the captain specifically, like you mentioned with Matt Collins? Because I find it interesting how you, Marquise, Landon, Shaq, and Mac, you all have such different backstories 
but you were all able to bring this team together for the same common goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest reasons we were so successful is because of how different each guy was. And, and each guy had a different leadership style. Um, it also helped that, you know, they were spread around the team. You know, Queese was a quarterback, Landon was an offensive lineman, Mac was a receiver, and then obviously Shaq and I were the linebackers. But I just think it's all of our different personalities and how we can, could connect to each guy on the team. Um, but th- there was way more leaders than just us. That was a good thing. We had guys policing each other um, who weren't, I guess, designated captains. You know, we had so many guys on the team that really were team first guys. I mean, you look at Mitch. He's the greatest example, like how good he was. And he was just as good as Queese. And, you know, he could have gone anywhere in the country, but he stayed and helped us win games. You know, like when Queese's helmet came off or whenever Mitch came in the in the game and there was no drop-off. Um, but you don't see that very much nowadays. You see the guy doesn't win the quarterback job and he transfers. Um, you know, our team was just so close. We had depth everywhere. We played a lot of guys. Um I mean, it was just a fun year. It was, I mean, and also you look look who was our offensive coordinator, Seth Luttrell, who's doing a great job at North Texas. You know, Coach Chizik, who, you know, won two national championships. You know, we had some big-time names, and it was, it was just really a fun year. One thing I find interesting with talking with people from the 2015 team is how all their favorite moments, they could all be, you know, these different games. So personally for you, what were some of your favorite moments from that 2015 season? Uh, first, I'd have to start with Georgia Tech game. I think that, I mean, we're down 21 nothing on the road, and no one flinches. You know, that I can kind of just – you could see the leadership and our, our, you know, our camaraderie just come together because I think in years past, we're down 21 on the road, especially to a triple option team. We're not, we're not making that comeback. Um, so I just thought that game was special in our whole season, you know, just kind of propelling us forward. Um, a lot of them. Um, the uh, <clears throat> I was just gonna say that like, if if you get to a stretch during that, you know, later in that season, you go to Duke, Miami, whoever we're playing, we're beating teams by thirty plus. So yeah, they say we had an easy schedule, but we're blowing teams out, and I think that's what a good college football team does, regardless of who's on their schedule. They beat teams by a lot, and we really didn't have any games where they were close. Um, some of the scores, I guess, were close, but we were really handling, you know, most of the teams that season. Um, obviously, I think the Duke game was one of my favorites just because we jumped out on them so quick. And then, obviously, NC State, we go there in the first quarter, we're up 35-7, to just completely dominating them in NC State. And there's nothing I like better than winning at NC State. I just can't stand, you know, some of their fans sometimes, and I love beating that program. So, um and then obviously clinching it at Virginia Tech and Frank Beamer's last game because that crowd was electric. So there's just so many moments from that season I could talk about, but those are a few. My last question for you before I let you go, what is it like for you to think of both how much success that team was able to have and how you became such a fan favorite because of your efforts in 2015? Yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, that was one of the most fun times of my life. Um, I just think, fans connected with me because I wasn't the high recruit. I was the hardworking guy that earned everything he got um, and then had some success along the way. And I think one of the things I tried to do was include my teammates in everything I did and give them success because they're the reasons I got to where I was. And uh, just, just enjoying that ride with them was special. Um, You know, we had so many guys in our team that, truly like cared for each other and they still do to this day. I mean, I'm, I could call anyone on that team and pick up the phone and, and, you know, do anything I can to help them because that's how close we were. Um, and I think to this day, you'll see that you can ask any of those guys, they all still keep in touch. And we honestly need to have a reunion here soon. So Carolina, come on, bring us back and, and honor us. That'd be fun. <laughs> Where are we going for dinner at Lucha? Yeah. Lucha or Ben 54 and, something (laughs) Jeff it was great catching up with you and I know I speak for a lot of people when I say we're rooting for you personally and good luck to you and the Tar Heels in the bowl game I appreciate it Vip Uh, my goal is to come back here and be the head coach one day so I'm putting that out there 
Uh, okay. You know, I've really found a passion for coaching, and I love Carolina. So you heard it here first, Vip, on on your podcast. I'd like to, you know, give you a shout out. So appreciate you having me on. All right, before we get to Deems, I just wanted to take a moment to remind everyone about Johnny T-Shirt as they are the go-to shop for all things Carolina Apparel. Family and alumni owned and operated since 1983, they've got you covered for everything you could possibly need. Basketball jerseys, they've got it. Your winter Carolina gear, now that the weather is getting colder, they've got it. All the Nike gear your heart could possibly desire, they've got it. With the holidays coming up, it's now the perfect time to visit Johnny T-Shirt to get a present for that special Tar Heel in your life. Visit them on Franklin Street or online at johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina subscribers save 10% off their orders. All right, here's Tar Heel radio analyst, Deems May. Joining me now on the podcast, we have Tar Heel letterman and current radio analyst for the Heels, Deems May. Deems, North Carolina, it was a struggle in the first half, but boy, did they sure pull away in the second half against NC State. What were your overall takeaways from that game? Well, I tell you, it was um, it was a miserable first half for sure. <laughs> we were uh, sitting out there in the rain right behind the band, and, and man, it was, it was pouring down, and it was cold, and, it, and they came out running the ball very well, and, and uh, it, it was pretty rough at first, and then um, – you know, second half was just kind of like everything we've been hoping for, everything that we've been working for, running the ball, play action, turnovers on defense. Just, you know, it just culminated in the in the, in the the best half of the year by far. Uh, just 28 points, 35 nothing in the, in the second half. And, and what a way to finish the regular season and get bowl eligible. Just happy for everybody. Happy for all the fans that were there. Uh, the band gets to go to a a bowl game coach brown's about 500 and you know he really wants to win the bowl game all the seniors that had missed no matter where we go you know it's just a culminating reward and, and very well deserved for a team that fought so hard all year and lost so many heartbreakers to be able to sit now and have you know 10 or 12 more practices with your teammates the locker room the travel no matter where we go it's just um uh, just a well-deserved and, and and a great time to be a Tar Heel right now because that second half for all the fans that Brave the Element was as fun as you'll ever have as a Tar Heel football fan. For me, this game, it highlighted again that it comes down to execution because the coaches are going to put the players in the right spot. I think it was clear North Carolina had a superior advantage when it came to both players and coaches. And if you're still complaining about Coach Longo after <laughs> that dominant performance, you'll complain about literally anything because – Going into the bowl game, his quarterback has posted arguably the greatest single season in school history. And you have two running backs and two receivers with an outside chance to reach the 1,000-yard mark. Yeah, I tell you, you just you don't have to look any further than what's going on down down at Ole Miss. And, and you know, sometimes you careful what you wish for. I mean, a lot of those Ole Miss fans that I know around here in Charlotte were so glad were, were like, we're so glad you got him. And, and I was like, we are too, you know. And, and, and that game – um, that second half is, is, is what we can look like uh, going forward with the right people in place. Our line was coming off the ball. We, we knew we were better on the perimeter, um, and, and we, have to, we have to acknowledge that NC State, uh, we're, they were playing safeties over there at corner and were so out of place. It was so evident. And what did we do? We went right at them. And, I mean, they were playing off so far, and we just started attacking. And when you start smelling blood in the water, you go after them. But I think just just if you just look at the second half and look at how well we ran the ball and and you know there were some you know slippage factors early on we started getting downhill and and then our offensive line just started coming off and everything that that we have been talking about for 12 weeks on this podcast about running the ball and how it opens up the pass and and our play action and and how we have to get downhill and run just came together in that second half and and it was it was a pretty thing to watch for sure not surprisingly NC State led the charge and mocking the Mac Brown hire and calling him, you know, Grandpa Mac. Do you think Saturday's game was a sign of things to come between these two teams? Because I think we've seen it or it's over already when it comes to recruiting the top in-state talent. Yeah, it's big, you know. I mean, their narrative the whole time was, you know, he's 68 years old, 67 years old. Who's going to want to come play for him? And then, and then the narrative switched to when we started getting some – some recruits, you know, then, well, okay, wait till they get blown out. 
uh, you know, the first five games and, and there's nobody in the stands. Well, we won the first two games and sold out every home game. So then it was the Coastal's terrible. And you know, they're not very good, and, and, and they play in a terrible side of the, of the ACC. Well, and then, and then you beat them, you know, 35 nothing in the second half. I just don't know where they're going to go from here on, on their narrative against us. Um, but, you know, we don't need to worry about them. Uh, we've got to – right now we're going to a bowl game. Uh, we've got to get working on this 21 class, and, and the coaches are actually down here in Charlotte now. Um, they're, they're, they're all over. They're spread out. They're going to work on the recruiting. And, and I've said it since, since Coach Brown came back and the staff he put together. It's the best recruiting staff in the ACC. And, and, and everybody said, what about Clemson? Clemson doesn't really recruit anymore. They kind of pick. We have the best recruiting staff right now, and it's getting ready to go. And we just need to build some depth. You know, Taylor, I think the biggest concern going forward is, is going to be D-line depth. Um, really was excited in the second quarter to see some, some guys rotating in and out, you know, and we started rotating a little bit on the defensive line. Our legs looked a little bit fresh, and, and, and we stopped the run and made their, their freshman quarterback, you know, have to put it up in the air, and, and, he, and he gave it to us a bunch in the third quarter. How big is it for Carolina not only to get to a bowl game, but to now have the extra practices that come with that for the younger players heading into 2020? I think it's huge. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot. Anytime you can keep your team together um, for an extra month. And, and, and like I said, especially uh, the younger guys are going to get most of the reps. I mean, let's face it, our, our senior guys, you know, up front and everywhere else, they, they know what they're going to have to do. They're going to be more on the game plan inside, but, but these hardcore individual and these inside drills and, and these seven on sevens for, for the younger guys is just is great experience and, and, and good times to get coached up because you don't have to put a game plan in place right now. You, you, you just get out there and work on them on the seven on seven. And then with your, you're probably going to do most of your game plan in, in the classroom. So just the camaraderie, this team seems so close. They seem to be having each other's backs. There's just not been a lot of dissension, even in the close games, not a lot of finger pointing between an offense and defense and who was doing what and kickers and this, that, and the other. And Coach Brown's done a good job. The camaraderie there, I think that builds more so than, than, than anything else is letting this camaraderie build, get to travel together, be in that locker room together all the way up through, you know, through the end of the year is, is just paramount in, in developing depth and, and continuity and camaraderie. All right, let's take one last quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, we're back. For the bowl game, what kind of opponent are you hoping UNC plays? Because I can see both sides. There's the bigger name opponent for the exposure that comes with that or a quote-unquote easier game for UNC to try to reach that seventh win. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, the whole the whole year I've been seeing just get to a bowl game, just get to six wins. And, man, they, they waited to the second half. They waited to the last possible minute to get that. So haven't really thought a whole lot about the, the, the opponent. You know, quite frankly, what I do, I want to play Navy, you know, in the military bowl. Probably not. I mean, you know, it's a triple option team. It's pretty hard, but, you know, a month to prepare and, and you have Bateman there. So if you're going to have a defensive coordinator ready for that, that would be good. But I, I don't know. I, I think that just getting there and, and knowing that you're going to be on national TV and exposure and, and how well Coach Brown will handle the whole thing going up. I don't really know how much I haven't really given a thought to the to the opponent yet. Um, I think the venue, you know, will have a lot to do with it. I think New York, you know, the Yankee Yankee Stadium with all our alum in, in New York City, that, that would be a nice one. Nashville, of course. Of course, Charlotte down here would, would be good. Uh, there's just a lot of different options that we can't really speculate on, but just something that, that the, the guys are excited to go to and, and the fans will show up and, and we try to get that seventh win. It's, 
right now when, when you're six and six, you can't be picky. Yeah, looking back at my ball experiences, I wouldn't say the opponent we played really changed anything. It was it was just fun to to win against uh, Cincinnati in the Belk Bowl. And while we lost to Rutgers and we lost to Baylor in bowl games, it, it was still a fun week. But it, it was something where we had a great time. But at the end of the day, you have to remind yourselves you're there to win a bowl game. So how how would you handle that as a coaching staff? knowing that a lot of these players have never been to a bowl game. Um, you're in a whole new city with your closest teammates, but at the end of the day, you have to remember your goal is to still win a bowl game. Yeah, I think um, I think Coach Brown will handle that better than anybody we could we could have. It's just Coach Brown said it. You know, he told – he was on his staff for a long time about this state game. And, and I mean, let's face it, they didn't, they didn't game plan for Mercer. They worked on state for two weeks, and, and it really worked out well. <clears throat> and it was good to have that Mercer game right there as a buffer. Um, so you could have two weeks to prepare. Coach Brown didn't want to lose to him, and he wanted to get there. And Coach Brown doesn't want to lose in record. <laughs> he does not want to lose in record on his resume. He said he's too old for that. So, you know, this seventh win, they're, while they're going to have fun and they'll have as much fun as anybody else, uh, they'll 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 be focused. I really believe that. Now, does that translate into a win? I just think you you got to stay away from the the, the off the field distractions. You know, you got to make curfew. You got to do what you're supposed to do on the road. Don't bring any unwanted attention. You know, take care of your teammates and just make sure you, you do things right, whatever venue you you end up being at, and then and then find a way to focus in those last 24, 36 hours on 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 having a winning season. And and I don't think anybody can handle that any better than Coach Brown. He does not want a losing record by his name, that's for sure. Looking back on this season as a whole, and there's a lot of moments to pick from, but what would you say your favorite moment was? Oh, man. I wish I'd have had these questions early. Let's see. It's got to be the South Carolina comeback. I, I tell you, that just was not – I did not expect that. Nobody really expected that. You hear all the all the hot air about how great the SEC is and how they were going to beat us by 100, and we were 14-point underdogs. And 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 that was kind of the birth of 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 Sam Howell, you know, just how cool he is in the pocket and how he never flinched in the fourth quarter. And then you got a glimpse of uh, of your of of Chas, what Chasserat could do as a linebacker. I'll never forget sitting in there watching that game, thinking this 21 can play and he is going to be something else. And lo and behold, we're sitting here today and he's first team All ACC with over 100 tackles. I just think that kick started it. That got the momentum going, and and I just don't think there's a better a better win. Uh, than that than, than that South Carolina game to start the season just because the expectations were so low. Yeah, I'd say my favorite moment was either that South Carolina game or the first home game against Miami. Just just being in Keenan Stadium for that game. And when that game kicked off, I was like, I had to like pinch myself for a second and be like, wait, is, is this Keenan Stadium? After yeah. seeing the past couple of years and, you know, North Carolina picked up the fourth and whatever it was, fourth and seventeen. Uh, the touchdown to Daz Newsome where Keenan just erupted. And I think that was just a sign of things to come for what this Carolina team can be, although Miami didn't turn out to be as good as some people thought they would. I think that game still showed how good this North Carolina team can be and how good of an atmosphere Keenan Stadium can kind of be. Yeah, I'll never forget that little clip that they had, um, the side, where, where the guy was on the sideline and the roar. Um uh, the roar of just the crowd after Daz caught that ball. I mean, it just gave me chills. I'd never, never been in anything like that. And, and I mean, you got some great recruits here that saw that and it just kind of, it got started. We, we did that. That one was a close second, but just going into Charlotte with all those, watching those South Carolina fans just throw bottles and just fight each other, just screaming at the coach. That, that really was, that was beautiful for me. And then to come back home again, those first two were, were awesome. And then we did have a lag in there. I mean, eventually your talent level is going to be what it is. And, and you know, easily could have been nine and three or easily could be sitting home right now, too. So there's some some great memories. But those first two games, man, really, really couldn't come at a better time for those wins, for sure. From game one to game 12, where do you think you saw the most development on this team? Uh, man, I tell you, um, Probably from, I can't remember the schedule exactly, but the, the, the performance against, you know, Clemson uh, was really kind of the, the, the how that was the peak of the year for, for Carolina as far as, as playing against, you know, a, a national championship team. 
being where you're supposed to on defense, that showed glimpses of what we can be going forward with enough depth and enough good players behind us because our first 11 on both sides of the ball played with the first 11 on, on, on the number one team in the nation. And, and we were a yard and a half from, from beating them. So I think right there, that was the culmination of, of what we can be. We, we started getting some injuries and started wearing out towards the end of the year more. Um, but, but that Clemson game was, was the one where we, we peaked and, and we played the best that we could right there. And we were really close to beating the number one team in the country. Yeah, I agree with you. And taking it even a step further, looking at positionally, I would say the linebackers to me had the most development because I think going into the season, they were a huge unknown. Some would even say they were the biggest question mark on this team. And then you see a guy like Chaz Surratt develop into a first-team All-ACC linebacker, a guy like Jeremiah Gemmel, who's probably one of the most underrated players on this North Carolina team. He's done a great job at middle linebacker. And then a guy like Dominique Ross kind of putting together a complete season and being the player that you kind of thought he could develop as a pass rusher for North Carolina. For sure. And and, and let's not forget um, the freshman QB who really didn't have a whole – didn't have anybody behind him. You know, I mean, you think – Ruder plays one play and he misses the rest of the season, and and we got a, walk, a backup uh, behind him, and we had to protect him too. So on the offensive side of the ball, you know, our line stepped up, and and, and Sam took a lot of hits, but he's tough. But I agree, I, I never never would envision Surratt, I mean, adapting that fast. I thought he could be a really good special teams player. I thought he could could kind of be a backup somewhere along the line, but to step up and make first team all ACC and Ken Gimmel kind of got lost in the sidelines, but solid is, is all get out. And that, that, that strip, uh, that strip uh, tackle and fumble recovery against state was another one that kept the momentum going and, and um, proud of all these guys. I mean, we can go all the way up and down, but we don't have enough time, but, but uh, the development right there in the linebacker core, give, give coach Stig and, and, and the defensive coordinator, uh, coach Bateman, a lot of credit for, for their development. But sometimes you really, you can't, you can't really have, you can't teach a nose for the ball, and, and Surratt just has a great nose for the ball, Taylor. As Carolina heads into the offseason, what areas do you think should be a focus for the Tar Heels? Uh, strength and conditioning, up, uh, uh, you know, flexibility. Um, you know, sometimes we got high, you know, and, and I think that was because in, in the past we were really too bulky. I think, I think Coach Hess – and Brian getting another a full year under his belt of what he wants is I, I'll take these guys, you know, 280, 290, lean and fast and, and playing lower up front on the defensive side of the ball more so than, than 330 and getting stood up and, and, and getting moved off the ball. I think developing our younger guys through the strength and conditioning up front is key. We did not recruit well on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, on, on the offensive and defensive line sides of the ball up until, you know, this past recruiting class. So, we're going to really have to develop the guys we have there, get them healthy, get them stronger, get them playing lower. But, but our definite, our, our emphasis this all season has to be in the trenches on both sides of the ball, getting low, getting mean, getting nastier, and 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 coming off. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. One area where I'm looking out, just to offer a different viewpoint, is I'm interested to see how the secondary plays out this coming spring because you add a guy like Kyler McMichael, the transfer from Clemson. You had a guy like Bryce Watts, the transfer from Virginia Tech. Uh, Patrice Rene coming back from ACL surgery. You had guys like Storm Duck and Trey Morrison step up this year. You're replacing Miles Dorn. Don Chapman stepped up at safety. Uh, you have Conley, the the four-star recruit coming in. So I think this, this, uh, this secondary Carolina had, well, it was a weakness at points this year. All of a sudden, this coming spring, you have a lot of bodies for these four or five spots, and I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that plays out too. That's a good point, and and I think Dre Bly did a great job for his first year in Division One football. I tell you, these guys, the one thing that is going to stick out to me the most, regardless of whether you get to put where who was playing where, is for years and years this this defense would have wide receivers running down the middle of the field that, that were so open you could punt the ball to them. And it would happen two and three times a game. And it did not happen once this year. I do not remember we had – excuse me, it happened in the, in the first half uh, of the state game where we had one busted coverage. And that was the first time I've really seen somebody bust one that bad that it was open. And it came in the second quarter of the last game of the year. And that's a credit to 
to Dre and everybody for getting those guys ready, ready to play. I mean, it, that was just something that in the past we saw it happen time and time again. Yeah, we had trouble this year, especially on that back shoulder throw, and some of these guys uh, really struggled with that. Virginia beat us hard with it, but, man, they were always in position. And, and, and once they learned to look back for the ball, they were always where they were supposed to be, and we always had good coverages. We just got beat on 50-50 balls a lot. We got beat on back shoulder throws a lot. But lending to that is all the experience we had against getting beat on 50-50 and back shoulder. Now, with a little bit of confidence, a little bit more training, uh, you know, 10, 12 bowl practices, another spring ball, that, that place is going to be one of our strengths for sure. And it should be for, for as, long as, we, as long as we keep recruiting good players in there and developing them. And I think Dre will do a great job of that. When you look at this season, big picture, you know, the Heels make a ball game. They sold out every home game. They played every loss tight. You have a top 20 recruiting class coming in and you beat Duke and you blew out NC State. So it's hard to say his first year back in Chapel Hill was anything but a huge success for Mac Brown, right? Oh, for sure. And 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 we said it last week, Taylor. I if 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 we'd have lost that state game, I think it would it would it would be just the total opposite. It would be a wasted season. Not for the future of the of the program by any means. I was part of that one in ten, one in ten. Uh, seasons and and they were wasted and then six four and one and seven and four is what what we went and after that it, it just took off that my seasons were wasted I didn't go to a bowl game the one and tens they were wasted they would have been wasted for the seniors this year had they not been able to go to a bowl game so that win Saturday night was huge we were going to be great either way the future was going to be bright either way um, going forward just because of what we had what we're building but but man I'm just excited for the seniors and, and excited for everybody here to be able to salvage this season when the middle of the season really sunk and lower than, than we thought, but we found a way to come back and make a six and six year and, and get to a bowl game. So it was a very successful season and, and the future is so bright. Uh, it, it's hard to explain right now. We'll find out who North Carolina is playing in its bowl game in the upcoming week, but Deems, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. And it was a pleasure talking North Carolina football with you this year. I enjoyed it, bud. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.